So on Pentecost, we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit, which was given to the church. Sometimes it's called the church's birthday. Um, it's been my experience that we're not quite sure what to do with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't talked about much in the church in which I grew up. It wasn't talked about in our family. Yeah, we, we could talk about God, the Creator. We could talk about Jesus, the love of God. But the Holy Spirit, we didn't know what to do with. Uh, my Basically, my only exposure to the Holy Spirit was very, very peripheral. Um, when we drove to church, we drove across town, and we went through a a section of town where it was just, the street was just bars or storefront churches. And um, the storefront churches were quite animated and, and quite loud. And um, mom would make some kind of, it was a disparaging comment about their undignified style of religion. That was basically my only exposure to the Holy Spirit. I want to start today talking about the Holy Spirit with how Peter ended his, his sermon, at least for this passage, where he says, on, on that day, the earth will be full of blood and fire and smoky mist. The moon will turn to blood and the sun will turn to darkness. I mean, this is zombie apocalypse stuff. This is the world being turned up, upside down. It's chaos, it's turmoil. There's you know natural disasters like Hawaii. You know, the, the world is changing politically, it's changing socially. Things that you, you know, never dreamed of are happening, and this chaos leaves us a bit unnerved. And we can react to this chaos and this turmoil that's, that's cosmic in several ways. One is just to deny that it's happening. It's not true. It's fake. Don't believe it. It's being exaggerated. Another way is to kind of privatize our lives and, and build our lives so that it won't happen here. It won't happen in my school. It won't happen in my neighborhood. It won't happen in, in my country, we, we seal ourselves off to protect ourselves from the other. We can also opt for nostalgia and yearn for the good old days and go back to the past where, where things were in their compartments and things were in their closets. Um, we didn't have to worry about the world being turned upside down and, and looking at a world that we hadn't planned for. I find um, another way that we, that we try to deal with this turmoil is actually rejoice 
when it happens to somebody else. It's, you know, the German phrase schadenfreude, rejoicing at others' bad fortune. Well, sometimes we do rejoice at others' bad fortunes. Often when we face this turmoil and chaos, somebody will say to us, take a deep breath. Just sit down, calm yourself, just breathe deeply. And this is where Pentecost starts to make sense to me. Take that deep breath in the midst of this chaos. You know, the air that we breathe has been around since the creation of the world. We breathe the air that our ancestor breathed. We, we breathe the air that Genghis Khan breathed, that, that Alexander the Great breathed. We breathe the air that Newton and Edison breathe, that Washington breathe. We breathe the air. We breathe the air that Jesus breathed. The end of the Gospels, Jesus talks to the disciples about breathing his air. You know, and he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. In John's Gospel, when he dies, he lets out his breath. And that breath goes around the world. And people breathe it in. And they begin to think like Jesus and act like Jesus and speak like Jesus. They begin to stand up and take courage and have hope in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the despair. It's called inspiration. The word for breath in Greek is spiritus, from which we get inspire. You're inspirited. That's inspiring. It gives us hope. And to breathe the Jesus air on Pentecost is to give hope in the midst of the turmoil and the despair and the fear. It's to stand up and take courage. Now to breathe this Jesus air, Peter describes it as itself turning the world upside down. Peter says, your slaves, men and women, will dream dreams. Your young people, men and women, will have visions. And your old people, men and women, will prophesy. We talk of Pentecost being where they talked in different tongues and everybody could be understood in their own language. 
but it's a miracle of speaking and listening. Usually those in power, those who are on top, those who are in control do the speaking. And those at the bottom do the listening and obey. They're the ones who are controlled. But to breathe the Jesus air reverses it. Here are the people on the bottom do the speaking. And those on the top do the listening. The slaves do the talking. And the powerful listen. To breathe the Jesus air is to hear what the outsider has to say. To hear what the powerless has to say. It's saying the last shall be first and the least shall be the greatest. To breathe the Jesus air is itself a reimagining of the world. To dream dreams. You know, Julie just nailed it when she talked about it's the day where we dream dreams and have visions. It's to dream of peace. You know, Martin Luther King, I have a dream. I have a dream that little black boys and girls will play with little white boys and girls and they will hold hands. That's a dream. In the last several Sundays, we've talked about the vision that Peter had. of including Gentiles. That was a vision that God's love goes for all. And then to prophesy, it's really just to tell the truth, not to spin it, not to lie, not to deny. It's to tell the truth and accept God's truth. Sometimes when people dream dreams, we say to them, what have you been smoking? At Pentecost, they didn't say, what have you been smoking? They said, what have you been drinking? It's the same thing. It's the same question. Yeah, I, I like the question. Oh, they're drunk. They're having dreams. They're having visions. Whoever heard such craziness? Whoever heard a dream where white children and black children would play together? They're drinking. Whoever dreamed that? What have you been smoking? I imagine when Julie said, I want to be a lady minister. What have you been smoking? You want to be a professor? What have you been smoking? How often do we hear an idea and we just say, that's crazy. 
Let's start a new church. Let's start a new church in Italian village. Are you crazy? What have you been drinking? Let's do same-gender marriages in the sanctuary. Are you crazy? What have you been smoking? I wonder if 50 years ago, if somebody said a member of the royal family would marry a person of color, people would have said, what have you been drinking? Yes, I watched the royal wedding. <laughs> I got up at 5.30 to walk, and Susan said, we're not walking until that marriage is over. <laughs> okay. And what a beautiful service. What a beautiful service. And who would have dreamed that that marriage would happen? That there'd be a black preacher at a royal wedding, that there'd be a black choir and the celloist. Who would have dreamed? But it happens. It happens. Sometimes I think we don't experience the spirit breathing in our lives because we're looking in different places. We're looking in more dramatic places. This week I was walking to work and I, early in the morning, and I just didn't feel like coming in. And I thought, oh, I, I just don't have much inspiration today. And I listened to the birds, and this bird just caught me. And there was a breeze. And I felt, I smelled the flowers. And suddenly I thought, man, there's a lot I want to do today. There's a lot I want to accomplish. And I thought, is that the spirit? Is that the spirit breathing in me? Have you ever had that experience where somebody's name just pops in your head? And you think, man, I haven't seen that person or talked to that person for so long. I think I'll give them a call. And they say, you know, I'm glad you called. I was thinking of you. Is that the spirit? Have you ever forgiven somebody or been forgiven? Is that the spirit? Have you ever stood up for a cause, written a letter, taken a risk, spoken out? I never dreamed I'd do that. Is that the spirit? I don't like the word spiritual. I think it's kind of flat. I think it's kind of wishy-washy. I don't think it stands for much. 
I like the word spirited. It's spirited. Spirited child is irrepressible, is unconquerable. A spirited horse, a spirited pet is just full of life and energy and vitality. When I think of the spirit and being inspirited, that's what I think of. Getting that energy for a new start and a fresh start and a new beginning and a new life. I like that UCC um, motto, God is still speaking. I like that. It says God's alive. We changed the sign on our tower several years ago from welcoming as God intended to welcoming as God intends because God is still speaking. But my, I wonder if God is still breathing. Is God still breathing? Before God speaks, God has to be breathing. When I was a DS, I'd visit several different churches every Sunday. And often I'd take the kids with me. One church we visited, it was just after we'd seen the movie The Sixth Sense. And son Nick leaned over to me and he said, Dad, Dad, I see dead people. <laughs> so we were driving home, he said, Dad, why don't you take a mirror to some of these churches? and put it under their noses so you can see if they're breathing. <laughs> Is God still breathing? Another word that has spirit, spire in it, is conspire, to breathe together, conspiracy. That's what I think churches are. Churches are conspiracies where they breathe the Jesus air and they breathe it together and take those risks and dream those dreams where people think you've been drinking something and they become reality. And they dream, have those visions and they tell the truth about the world. Do we believe in a God who's still breathing? And do we want to have dreams? And do we want to have visions? And do we want to work to make them true? May those answers be yes. Amen.